bravery is there in the way they play. And what about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, thought a sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett, the three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Now, very happy to say we are joined to talk about the hurling, Mr. Tommy Welch. Tommy, great to have you on the show again. You're keeping well? Yeah, good evening, Joe. Great to be here. We're going to start with Salt Hill. Galway 124, Kilkenny 317. One point win for Galway at the death. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Tommy, but there was a handshake at the end, which is actually generating a bit of talk. You may not have seen You may have missed it. You may have missed it. <laughs> is that my get out? <laughs> no, there's no get out here. Yeah, sure. Listen, I've seen, I was up there, Joe. I was in Salt Hill. First of all, you know, during the game, before the game, as I was saying to the lads that were with me, this home and away, I think it's fantastic for, especially for these close encounters where you know, you don't know before the match who was going to win, who was going to lose, where it's going to hang in the balance. The atmosphere I thought was electric. And it seems to be the home support usually have the biggest crowd. And that was definitely the way it was again at the weekend. But um, leading up to the to the whole handshake, we say the atmosphere was brilliant, and mm. I think there'd be so many other stories probably we'd be talking about now, only for that. And the handshake itself, like being there, right? I didn't see you know the win the winning free, um, which was controversial as well. I didn't see that because I was still celebrating the goal, John Dundee's goal. Yeah. So we jumped up over seats just to fill in on the feelings for a. We'll say I wasn't a neutral supporter, so all that game was like any supporter. So at the game, you're just exhilarated. Nothing beats a last minute goal to win a match or to draw a match, especially when you felt maybe Galway were the better side uh, in the closing stages. So it was just exhilaration from the supporters. We were up on our feet. Next minute, the, 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 the quick puck out just went so fast. Next minute, free. Your emotions are all over the place. So up upsteps uh, Connor Cooney, ball over the bar. Um, Galway win by one point so you were just devastated really you know frustrated as well at the free now I didn't see the free at the time live I've seen it since highlights and that but so you're wondering was it a free you know there's booze and this got out but Brian was on the way over to remonstrate with Colin Lyons so if you can think in that moment he was going over it I would imagine this is all only me imagine furious I'd say to see what the free was for why did you call the free time was gone for the puck out and then henry kind of came in you know it was an awkward situation probably for him as well he had to go you know look for the, the opposing manager and all that was going with it beforehand so he called him and brian was kind of called back mid stride yeah and then there was the handshake and we all seen what happened in the handshake but like i'm not surprised this often happens in a match you know it's just the fact that it was the two of them and so much went into the background behind that story. It's what makes such big headlines. But it, it has often happened to me in a match where you get last minute goal, you get bet by, and someone tries to shake your hand, and you wouldn't mean anything by it, but you're not in that moment to say, hey, listen, I'm mad about you. I don't care about the results. This is great. Um, you know, you're in your own head nearly, just all these thoughts going through your head. So I can understand what happened. Then the slow motion. Like slow, slow motion, Joe, makes everything more dramatic um and it definitely wasn't as dramatic as that live being at the game but um yeah no listen i'm sure brian was furious at the time then sir henry comes over and and the rest is history i suppose but i wouldn't i spent what 13 14 years in dressing rooms with two of them men and i couldn't 
say more about the two of them. Like, great characters. I've often been, you know, on and off the field, maybe you make mistakes. The two of them would back you to the hill, Joe. This is over the course of 13, 14 seasons, not just one one or two instances. So, both Henry and Brian Cody, I couldn't say enough about their character, um, about the type of people they are. And, you know, obviously it's going to make headlines, but it doesn't take away anything for me. I know them two guys better than I'd say most people in, in Ireland, by their families, maybe in close friends. And I couldn't say enough about the characters of the two of them. So, listen, it'll get a bit of headlines, but we'll, we'll move on, you know. Mm. So, Cody was making his way towards referee, and it's at that point Shefflin catches him. Yes. And like, you know, and I'd say Gorto was on his way over to um, Martin Company's the other selector, you know, and we felt it in the crowd. Now, I didn't see it, but you're always going to be furious for a referee for, for giving a late free like that. Just blow it up and everyone's happy. So like, that's, they're the emotions you're feeling. Now, that was what I was, and as well what happened, Joe, is a supporter, I was sitting beside a couple family and about two seats over at the edge of the, the road, it was two Galway supporters, a, a lady and her husband, I would imagine. And they came over then to me just, you know, to say a hard look or whatever. And for about five seconds, like, I wasn't in that space even to talk to them. It's still so much going through your head. And then, so obviously there's no cameras on me, or you know, I was able to have a chat with the two people then for a couple of minutes about, you know, the game and all that. But just saying, this is the moment that was going on at the time. And I think the slow-mo as well definitely adds hugely to it. Like, I'd love to see a slow-mo of a lot of handshakes where, there's a you know a dramatic finish. I'm sure you could make plenty of stories, but yeah, listen, it is what it is now at this stage, I suppose. But um, mm. I think that's just I suppose a background draw in the feelings of the overriding feelings at the time. Well, I think there's no doubt if Kilkenny had won that game by 15 points, Cody's all smiles afterwards and pat on yeah. the shoulder, and you know, there's no doubt. I've heard other you know, like theories that you well look. Cody's very principled and he thinks if you step outside your own county, then it's, you know, you're on the outside and that's it. And that's what the GA is about. I don't really buy that because we saw Cody with Eddie Breden a couple of years ago as leash manager and they're all smiles and there's a sense of, of warmth there. They're embracing each other. So I don't think Cody's looking at any former player who, who manages outside of Kilkenny and saying, well, this is not what the GA is about. I don't buy that at all. Uh, I think he's bullying. There's no doubt he's just sick with the loss. And I suppose like when it first happened... On the Sunday game broadcast live, which is where I was watching, most people were watching, we didn't get the full extent of it. And it's only in the evening then when you watch the full handshake where in the daytime live version, you think to yourself, oh, it's a bit cold. Oh, it's a little, that's a, that's a bit frosty. And I kind of half joke, Jesus, like it makes Keane and McCarthy look like a love-in. But it's in the evening one, I suppose where it probably caught a few people that extra bit is when Shefflin turns to go, like it's over. Like I, because I think if you're disappointed, like Cody, really, it's like I can barely even look at you. Brief exchange, you know, not going to be much chatting here, and, and like as quick as possible, as quick as possible. I don't want to be involved here, but it's when Shefflin's gone and his whole body is turned and his hand is still ha being hung onto by Cody, and he turns him around again, and you can see the brief surprise on Shefflin's face when he realizes, God, he still has my hand, and then he turns around. It's the look there that is slow motion or not, it's, it's withering. It's a hostile look. And I suppose what, what struck people as well, Shane Dowling said it, you can see Shefflin, as Cody's now gone, looking back, thinking, what the hell was that? So yeah. I, and, and 
if they if they don't have a relationship, you think fine, it was a bit, it was a bit frosty. Jeez, it gave gave the young pup a bit of a scene to. I suppose people go, God, Shefflin's had a you know, it, it's maybe not fair to bring it in. I, people have mentioned it. Shefflin family been through a tough time, and that is maybe a part of it. Maybe that's a bit unfair to bring in. But more to the point, more to the point, man, Shefflin was one of his chief chief lieutenants. Like gave everything for Cody, gave everything for Kilkenny. That's where a lot of people more than raised an eyebrow. So how would you have felt if you were Shefflin in that situation? <laughs> I would say that if you're the lads, it's lucky it wasn't me, because I probably... <laughs> Go on, you know what? You know, you know, I probably would have reacted. I wouldn't have the same, um, you know, I wouldn't have the same... Um, like, he sort of stayed in the moment, Shefflin, and this is what separates you know the great managers and like he was able to stay in the moment and say this is bigger than me or the two of us let's move on here and not mm. ma- you know make a, a thing out of it. same with yeah scene out of it and same with his interview after it thought they handled it avoided it really basically and just let's get on with it because I, I still will harbor back that this is in the moment uh Joe like we all make so many mistakes I don't know whether it's a mistake or not but we all make so many maybe decisions that if you had more time to think about it, you might make another decision for it that way. Mm. And in that moment, I just not right. Like I rang my father on the way home, you know, just for the crack. We were laughing at this stage, you know, and uh, well, what do you think of that? And he was still up there himself and my mother was staying up uh, that evening. And oh, he wouldn't let Anton be said about Cody, like, you know, because right. he was saying like, and this, and I, my interpretation would have been kind of something similar. So only the cameras are in your face as well in the crowd. He kind of put like, it was a brief handshake at first and then it was, pulled them back and it was kind of like you know what you'd say to a lad is you'd be close there yeah fair you know I, yes. I get you in the Leinster fine something like that more friendlyish, but obviously it, it didn't happen like that because I just think there's so much cameras in your face and that so you could interpret it as, uh, any way you want but I suppose at the end of the day listen I think these things happen in sport because it's two great men you're you're gonna create a lot of you know news headlines around it, but of course, yeah. So you'd have, you'd have I had a bark. I don't think it ruined their friendship, right? Go that way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure you're right. You'd have a bark bite. That's uh, you'd have had a bark back. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I not see that because your lads would put this in a big headline. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I wouldn't like because I don't know how. I don't know. Mm. I put it this way: you probably saw me hurling over the years, ten years. You know, and you can judge what my reaction would have been as well. I think he might have given his hand a tug back, actually, and <laughs> pulled him in and said something. Yeah. Uh, so you think you think they're okay as people? This is heat of the moment. We're at war. This is you know okay. Emotions get the better of me, but you you don't think it's an underlying, ongoing uh, cooling? Well, I don't know. I I wouldn't think so because when they were together, they're as we spoke beforehand, they're best buddies and. One of them, you know, is the man on, off the field. The other lad was the man on the field. And they would have been very close that way. So, listen, I don't know what's been done between, say, the other day and now. But, you know, I would imagine if, if they had a chat about it and, you know, like, like adults and um, got over it, I'd say there'd be no ill feelings either way, like, you know. Yeah. A last one for you. I don't really have a, a great feel for Shefflin as a character. Do you think it's the kind of thing that will have bothered him? And I, I base that question on just his look back at Cody in a sense of... Oh. Ah, um, but sure, he would have, you know, Cody would be like a father figure to most of the hurlers probably that he played under. Um, 
So I don't know, Joe. I'm not going to guess here now. I suppose Sheffield will be a very good friend of mine, so I'm not going to start. You know, like I'd be close to Henry and would have been. And, um, you know, I would have thought the same of Brian over the years. So, like, I'm not going to get in the middle of it and start guessing what one of them is thinking over the other. So, there are my feelings on that now, Joe. What did you text Shefflin? I'm a parcel, Joe. Right, okay. <laughs> right, listen, we've, we've put you up against a wall there for long enough. Uh, did you think it was a free, the Cooney free on 75 minutes, the Paddy Deegan? Uh, yeah, well, at the end. Um, I looked back at it and looked at the highlights of it, so I don't think it was a free, but I can see why Colin Lines gave it. I always think with referees, the only time I will really have a gripe over where the referee is over sending offs. I hate when lads are sent off, basically, and um, I would always see a referee should have the mindset, ha- like make an excuse to keep lad on the field, not make an excuse to put him off. So look for a reason to keep lad on the field would be my... You know, that would be my view on, on how a referee should either send off a lad or keep him on the field. When when he's making decisions like that, listen, I think over the course of a game or a season, I think they tend to balance out. So Paddy Deacon got the ball first, which is crucial. If he hits the man first, then the ball, then it's a free all day long. But he got the ball first and then obviously the man went with it. So I don't think that's a free. Um, well, like we have the hindsight looking at all these different camera angles. Colin Lyons, quick puck out. He's looking up. He's a man poleaxed on the ground. You kind of have to make it, you know, Paddy was there on top of him. You kind of make a split decision there and then. And I think he got it wrong by that. No, you know, I'm sure there's other decisions we got in our favour over the course of the game. So, no, I don't think it was a free, but I thought Colin Lyons actually refereed it very, very well. Who do you think was the better team, Tom? Um, well... I think the way it is at the moment, Joe, is the teams that are winning tend to be scoring a lot from out the field. And I don't think we were scoring enough or were strong enough out the field uh, compared to uh, Galway and Sunday. I thought Owen Cody was lethal in the inside line. He's really after, you know, stepping up to the plate the last two three, se- two, three seasons, both physically and mentally. But out the field, if you look at Joseph Cooney, son of Joe, he scored four or five pints. Thomas Monaghan, he scored, you know, three pints, I think. Uh, Brian Cannon between inside and coming out scored four points. So they scored a lot from out the field. And I think that's where they were much better than Kilkenny on Sunday. And it's not necessarily midfielders because the way they're rotating now, you could be half hour for a couple of minutes. Tom Annan will say he was half hour and he was midfield. Same with Joseph Cooney. I think it's just them players out around the middle of the field. You need them on the ball and shooting. I thought where Kilkenny lost out right before half time. So we're now, you know, flirting with the whole Limerick game which is sharp ball out, getting into the middle third and lovely ball in or over the bar. We were coming out with the ball about 10 minutes before half time, Joe, and we were turned over so many times. And, it, you know, the crowd will obviously, who love, the, the GA hurling folk love the traditional game. Back to the 2009, 10, 11 finals. Ball goes down and best man wins it. The game has changed. So I think where Kenny failed the weekend was their execution of the game as opposed to their game plan. I thought coming out the ball, they're hesitant with their hand passes. They're taking, you know, mishitting balls, 20, 30 yard passes. And that's where Limerick and the Watfords, the teams at the top of their game, are not failing. They're, you know, passing 90% of them are going as completed. So I think Galway were definitely the better team. Uh, and that's, they scored way more points. With the goals kept those in it before half time. But I think the second half, we, there was a huge wind up there, Joe. And I think we were in a good position after 55 minutes as a draw match. But probably, I think, went away from 
probably start going too much long then because you know when you have a win the goalie hits it and it goes straight down to the full forward line if we had to be a little bit more patient with the game we were playing even though we coughed up a few scores before half time I think it might might have been more beneficial mm. and what do you think Shefflin's done with Galway then? well I think their tackling count is, is gone huge um, and there's a big difference like I was looking at the Cork the, the, the Cork versus Clare game and they were coming back in probably numbers at times, but not getting in with the intense tackle on the man, making him feel like this is a tough game that I'm in. There's three lads after hitting me, as opposed to there's three lads around me of nowhere to go. And I thought Galway, every time Kenny looked up, they were in, and they were turning over Kenny before half time, but creating scores off these turnovers. Like everyone speaking about Limerick, was it the score 213 or that off turnovers a couple of weeks back? It's probably said in every club dressing room, every county dressing room at the moment, this is where we have to get to. And Galway were definitely listening to that under Shefflin. They can look up to Shefflin because he has done it. Like they all say, and do what I do, not what I say. Shefflin has been there, brilliant hurler, backed it up with work rate, which was often maybe not seen to the naked eye looking at a match, but we knew as teammates what he was doing, putting in the hard shifts. If the top lads are doing it, everyone else does as well. So I thought Galway's work rate intensity. Plus, Joe, they have lads back in form now. So Shefflin is obviously building these lads up with confidence. Like Joseph Cooney's in the farm of his life. Park Mannion is back to himself. Yeah. Dahi Burke, our old McInerney, put in, put in big shifts the weekend. So, yeah, I think what he has stamped on him is they always had the hurlers, but that steely work rate that we always refer to, Joe, it means you could do it in, like, that game was probably won 10 minutes before half time. So you'll often hear a manager go before, it's the last 10 minutes is where we'll win the game. Maybe it's not, it could be the first 10 minutes. And it was their work rate of out in, in different uh, times at that game and that's why it wouldn't be one point at the end of the game I'm curious for your thoughts on the interesting battle uh, amongst the managers and I don't mean the handshake here in this instance so in that first 20 minutes of the game by 16 minutes in Kilkenny had two goals when Billy Ryan took his second away and uh, you know you were there you'd have a good feel for it that Kilkenny half forward line came very deep huge amount of space for the Kilkenny forward line balls in were being won like Owen Cody had an incredible game and Shefflin had to react to that. Now, certainly Porrick Manning went in on Cody for one, but things seemed to tighten up in the Galway defence, which was crucial because 20 minutes in, it was looking very worrying for them. So I don't know what did Shefflin do there, did you feel? Yeah, well, just watching him on the sideline, I could see him telling the half-back, and he was on the near side where own Cody was. And he was telling either it was their half-back or midfield. He was push back, push back. So I'd say it was like, follow your man to a certain extent. But there's a point here where if you see danger in around the full back line, you have to be able to cover it off. And the ball mightn't come down because if a half back for Kenny comes out with the ball, sees part of Manning or someone sitting in the pocket, well, he's not going to give that ball in. And uh, I think, first of all, that's what they've done. But I think, second of all, they just took the ball back off Kenny in their own back line. As I said, Kenny were yeah. coming out with the ball. If Galway hadn't been tackling with the intensity that they wanted that, the ball could have went into Owen Cody, could have went into Walter Ward, Welsh and these guys. So I think it was two things. He was telling his guys to hold back a bit at times and then obviously their work rate was just huge. What was your policy, Tom, when uh, Manu were marking half forward if you were a half back, if he started drifting out and getting on ball around midfield, did you go with him? Yeah, well, that, so I played in a much easier game. There wasn't that many decisions to, to make back then. You knew if the other guy got the ball down the opposing defence, he was going to drive it as far as he got. So I was just... I just predict where it was going to land. So I would always go as far as the 65, never go any farther. I'd let my man go off because, say, the 2004 All-Ireland final, that's Mark and Timmy McCarthy. And Timmy was a brilliant runner and brilliant player and 
guy that turned up, up on the big stage the whole time. And in, in that final, I was blaming back on him. And when you're young, I was 21 at that stage, you know, keep your man scoreless, keep him out of the game. You know, you're not really thinking too much of your teammates and that. But so Timmy, he was still, he, he played pretty well, all right. But I was following him everywhere, all over the field. But it left oceans and oceans of space where I should have been at number five. And Niall McCarthy had a brilliant game on, on Peter Barry. But I kind of, you know, half blame myself for, now it was inexperience as opposed to an actual choice. Um, but I learned a huge amount from that. So Niall McCarthy came out with a huge amount of scores. But if you look at most of them were coming from where I should have been. Yeah. So sometimes you might keep your man out of the game, but you're letting down probably yeah. your, your teammates, you know. So um, that's what yeah. I would have done. There's a bit of, I'm all right, Jack, I got my man. And so does it work now, do you feel, if half back lets half forward drop deep? Is it then like, well, I'm passing him on. Someone further at the pitch needs to drop back one or we need to drop back one. And if their fullback's free, so be it. But my man's gone deep. So someone from full forward line or half forward line needs to drop in and, and watch my man if I'm helping out back here. Is that how all this works? Yeah. Yeah, so I think definitely the way it works, and I think Limerick are probably the best uh, exponents of it. You rarely see, say, Burns or Hannon leaving. Number seven, whether it's Kyle Hayes or whoever it is at the moment, could be Barry Nash at times, they seem to be given a license to go up and down that field. Well, you will rarely see Dermot Burns or Declan Hannon going past that half-back line zone. So I think for, for Limerick, they're probably doing the best. What are they doing? It's will... Like the last day Daryl Donovan scored three or four points, had a great game going offensively. But usually you will rarely see Daryl Donovan or Will O'Donoghue on the score sheet. Why? Because they're just constantly, um, you know, covering space, uh, making tackles, and they're making it hard, I think, so that Dermot Burns and Declan Hannon can stay back. Yes. So I'd say they're doing a lot of the unselfish work. Yeah. TJ Reid off at half time. Uh, 34 years of age now, so people are pointing to his age. But I, I, I don't think he's probably had the body of training maybe in the off-season that he might have had in other years. So he's he's working his way back. What did you see from TJ? Yeah, so I'm not sure what the story about his groin injury at the moment. I had a groin injury myself, got in the county semi-final last year, Joe, and I was never really injured. Groin injury is tough. Like six months later, I think I'm only getting back right from it now. And when you go in, like all the strength now, they say, comes from your lower body. So that you're you're into the ground. That's why you're doing these deadlifts and Romanian deadlifts and all these. Is so that you're strong that you can burst out of that tackle the first five yards. Well, if TJ Reid's groin injury is still there, he's not at 100 percent because that's where you win the ball with the tackles now coming around you. You have to get past two or three lads, and it comes from that power of pushing off. So if that's Adam, like that, that's probably why he was taken off because I couldn't. You know, now he was off the freeze. He probably wasn't himself in fairness in the first half, but I definitely would have thought it would have given him 10 minutes with that wind. It was a huge wind out there. So I definitely would have liked to see him if he was uh, injury-free out in that second half for 10 or 15 minutes. Because I was saying to James Scale on the Sunday, it's it's a small moment and you don't want to read too much into small moments, but he did get a ball and there was a route to go, a bit of an angle. And he made up his mind very early, I'm not going to take it on. And it's the kind of thing, maybe if you're feeling good about life and your body feels good, you'd make a dash for it and you can decide late to go for the point. But he, he made up his mind early and I just thought, mm, just, he's not himself. Yeah. Uh, plus, I, th- I think I was listening to that probably on the way home. I think James also said that um, that's the difference between good players and great players. TJ knew now he's in a different phase of his career. So do I go on next minute? back comes in, takes the ball off me, the crowd, Galway crowd then, or TJ yeah. Reid is finished, we have him. Who wins a Galway-Kilkenny-Leinster final? 
<laughs> we have a lot of hurling to do to get there parallel park first of all and a lot of handshakes a lot of hurling before then <laughs> but listen if it does happen won't the build up be extraordinary <laughs> oh, like, just the better be a, I mean the better be a nicer handshake for then I mean regardless of what happens <laughs> just so we don't have to talk about it uh, they're, they're, they're tightly matched though aren't they they are they are um, I'd lean towards Galway for what it's worth I think Galway did look comprehensively the better team but I don't know where, where the salt hill factor I don't know what that's worth it's bound to be a few points yeah well I definitely think they had more lads that were in form like I think young Fahey was playing well enough he went off uh, Brian Hong Cannon scored four points um, like I, I mentioned the two midfielders Tom Monaghan and, and, and Joseph Cooney Parag Mannion I think Galway if you look at their players so many of them probably more of the of the Galway players had eight or nine out of ten performance than the Kilkenny players. Like if you're to pick out Kilkenny players, you know, off the top of my head, I'd say Hugh Lawler. Like even Owen Murphy wasn't it wasn't himself. I'd say Hugh Lawler and Owen Cody really would be the pick of the bunch. Because you could probably pick, you know, six or seven of the, the Galway players. Um so I definitely think Galway were probably the better team. Before we let you go, let's touch on Cork Clare. So Cork two twenty, Clare twenty eight points. I mean, you're working off highlights here, as as most of us are, because this wasn't, uh, well, this was on at the same time as Kilkenny against Galway, which is bizarre, isn't it? In 2022, like the two big games of the weekend. I don't know what the reason that is, but I'm, I'm sure when everyone saw that, they thought, well, what? Jeez, show us both. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened there, but as a, a, an ex-fixtures committee member said to, to me father one day, like, fixtures are all grand until you have to go make <laughs> and then you'll see, and then you'll see how hard they are. So listen, fair enough. They rarely make that mistake, so there must be a good reason for it. We got a false first impression here when Robbie O'Flynn had a great score for Cork, and then Shane Kingston scored again, and they're two one up. And you think, wow, like this is Cork responding, and they've licked their wounds. And uh, Clare blitzed them over the remainder of the half. Twelve three down after the first quarter. It's fifteen points to four after half an hour. Cork were struggling on their own puck out and. Uh, I mean, there's a temptation to go straight to Cork because, you know, they, they look done by May here. But give us a word on Clare because they are quietly going about their business here. They've, they've beaten Tipperary very well and they've beaten Cork better than that scoreline suggests. Yeah. And now, over, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see where they really are. But they've, they've got something going, Clare, here. They do, Joe. And just like I mentioned about Galway, you're on playing, a lot of players playing with confidence, a lot of players top of their game. Clare, much the same. You go into their forward line, like, Peter Duggan, before the last, we were wondering, come back from Australia, but is he back the championship pace? He has proved he's been absolutely brilliant in the first two games. Uh, Tony Kelly, you know, he scored one of the points of the season again, yeah. just up from underneath the stand here, over on the left, the Cork defender did everything he possibly could, over the shoulder from about 70 yards over the bar. Just unbelievable stuff. Mm -hmm. I saw Dear McRyan, the wing back, went up, got a kind of a short ball back to him, over the bar from about 70, 80 yards. This is what happens when you have a team playing with confidence, mm -hmm. Joe. And I thought the points, well, actually, I forgot to mention for the Kilkenny Galway game, Joe, that one of the best points I ever ski seen scored was by Brian Concannon. He was in on the end line and you'd often tried messing around in the hurling field when yeah. you're on your own. You'd never tried in a championship match. I'd say he was probably the weight of the phone from the end line, curled it over the bar. I thought it was an amazing piece of skill. Mm -hmm. But, what brought me to that was there was another fantastic score in that clear game. That was the one. Remember Shane O'Donnell uh, went into the corner. Yeah. Do you know that? That's kind of everything we're saying about. God, it sounds like we're we're, we're um, 
ganging up on TJ here, but in the way that, you know, when you're not quite yourself, you don't do what Shane O'Donnell did because he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and just, you know, he's been a massive fill-up for Clare with him returning. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Like, there was three or four times the ball was nearly taken off him, but he just, as you said, he fought and fought, dogged it out, basically. Gave the ball out to, I think it was young Ryan Taylor and over the bar. What a team score. Todd, mm. that was an amazing. And um, like you say, it just came into my head there, Probably a big factor in Shane O'Donnell as well is he was off for so long. It can't be freshness. So he's just hungry for the ball. Like, when was the last time we seen him? Last year he got the, the concussion. Yeah. So he was out for so, so long. So now he's back and he's tearing it up the first two weeks. Well, well with, without kind of trying to judge too much from afar, I suspect that was probably a serious situation for O'Donnell. And maybe he wasn't so sure he'd be continuing his career. And suddenly you appreciate it a whole lot more. Like he looks like a fella loving life, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you have Shane O'Donnell. So all these guys, you know, Ryan T- uh, uh, Rory Hayes in the corner back position for Clare as well. So the huge amount of guys in form, Joe, at the moment. Yeah. You're asking me, what about Clare? The few, they're playing with huge confidence. It's probably the exact opposite of that Cork team they're playing. They're playing with huge aggression. So mm-hmm. Brian, Brian Lone gets huge credit for his own probably character now being probably played through his players now but also I thought his tactical new was brilliant like he brought out Peter Duggan with a fantastic game full fire in the first game put in young Mouncey small guy and Robert Downey because before the game I was thinking bring in Downey he'll match Duggan for height but no he switched around again and you know even Shane O'Donnell out to the half hour line for the first two games so mm-hmm. I think Brian Lohan has shown you know two sides to him there in the first two games and definitely that clear team are playing with huge 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 confidence On Cork they had this, well, tough league final and then this incredibly demoralising defeat to Limerick where, again, their frailties were really shown up for all to see. And you would have anticipated a real reaction even just physically from them. And it, it was I'm sure you had the same experience because we both watched the highlights. And in Kilkenny Galway, anytime any player basically had a ball, he was like, there was hands on him, contact, there were rooks, everything was tight. And yet you saw in the highlights last night, Clare, just the same way Limerick had, Clare were working the ball from one end of the pitch to the other without like a hand laid on them. Now, I'm, I'm part of that is tactical, I'm sure, but also part of it just has to be, I don't know, some kind of fire in a team to say, well, if you're going to beat us, you're going to take some late hits and bangs and it's not going to be easy for you to do it. But I think Shane Dowling put a, a piece of Limerick walking the ball up, working the ball up, Cork doing similar no glove laid in them. Like, there's something off there, isn't there? There's, that's, that's, that's a, I don't want to say a broken team, but like, you'd have no faith in them going to Walsh Park now against Waterford and, 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 re, and, and coming back here. Yeah, they're definitely playing like a team that is listening to all the talk, that's listening to all the criticism and taking it on board, which you probably can't do. It's often demoralising. I find in this Munster around Robin series, if you do start off badly, it's tough to get it going again because it's week after week after week and Cork are playing like a team that's just devoid of all confidence, just can't get it going. I've been there, I've been on teams that have been like that beforehand, Joe. Another one for them as well is the sharp hook out. When the sharp hook out isn't going well, it deflates the whole team and this has happened to them time after time and although it might be the best way to play the game for some teams, possibly at this moment in time, it is not the best way to play for Cork. See, what happens, Joe, is you play a short, if you're playing, trying to play the short game and suddenly there's nothing on, so the goalkeeper decides, start the fullback and decide to go along with it, you don't have the players up on the half-hour line then to get the breaks. So not alone are you losing the short game, 
They're also now losing the long game. And it's very, very different. You could be trying your heart out, but you're five, you're just maybe five seconds too late or two seconds too late to get in that tackle. And what I've seen from looking at the car clear again the other day is they were getting numbers to in and around where they should have been. But there was no one, as you say, laying a glove on anybody. There was no, they were in and around it, but there was no one hitting a shot, nobody getting a flick, getting in a touch. And I think it's just that small thing is what they're missing because they're fantastic hurlers. Well, I think they're missing, like, to win championship games, you have to be able to defend as well as, as, well as score. As, the other thing I would have found in the first couple of games in the league final is if you have halfbacks tearing up the field, no matter how fit you could be the fittest guy in the country, you're not going to be able to track back. You, you have to pick and choose moments to go up the field. Like, Claire, when Claire played last week, when John Condon had up, set up that goal, I only saw him going up once. He wasn't going up six and seven times. That meant he had the energy, he had the aggression, he had the, the ability to hover around the defence and get back and get in last-minute tackles. You will see with Limerick, you will see with Clare at the moment, and you will see with Galway at the weekend, when they're opposing forward gets the ball, there's three lads to take, tearing in them to get in a hook or a block. And then, um, to, you know, maybe, you know, even if they score a pint at the last second through a few hand passes back out the field, but they're making it tough for him, Joe. And that's what Cork probably are, are not doing. Another thing as well that I find from looking at them is, the tackling is so ferocious now in the gym. Guys are going so strong. You can't take the ball into the tackle anymore. No. Maybe one fella. And I think that's where they're making a mistake as well. I looked at a few highlights just to see what Limerick were doing. And I know some of their guys are just so big they can get around tackles. But a lot of the time if you see their sharp hook out, they get rid of it before they get into tackles. So they're finding Hegarty, finding Lynch out around the middle of the field. They're not taking into two, three tackles and then the ball gets taken off. Them. So even if they maybe try that, that when they're coming out with defence, like we saw Dara Fitzgibbon, I think it was, looking at it, he got caught for one of the points or goals, where he's coming out with the ball, next to me, solo back to his own goal, but holding on to that ball just too long, Joe, and then sure, with a team as hungry as clear where to begin, they were going to take it off. So, yes, no, I, I think, there's a, the, the main thing is confidence, but tactically, I'd say, if they change around one or two of them little things, which would be, just for the time being, till they yes. settle it back down, get rid of the sharp now. Very good. Super analysis, Tommy, thanks so much. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Tommy Welch with us there.